The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. Wait until you hear what's going on in the Midwest. In Indiana, efforts to support breastfeeding have led to the development of a community-centered model, very different than what most of us are used to. And this community-centered model is based on collaborative partnerships between community groups. Strategies that have worked include the establishment of community-based drop-in centers, partnerships with businesses, collaboration with hospitals, and services for minorities. And today, my special guest is Tina Cartarelli. Tina is Indiana's state breastfeeding coordinator, and she's here to tell us some exciting initiatives that have been very successful in engaging the community stakeholders in supporting breastfeeding mothers and their babies. Now, Here's, here's good news. If you don't live in Indiana, stick around because Tina's going to talk to us about some strategies that she's used that could work in your community, too. Tina Cartarelli, thank you so much, and welcome to Born to be Breastfed. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, for those of you who may not listen, may not realize, uh, Tina is one of those people that I've talked to for seemingly forever. Uh, I've never met Tina, but uh, I get one more time to talk with Tina via the electronic world. And so hopefully we're going to enlighten you a little bit today about all that she's been able to accomplish. So, Tina... I understand that the work that you do to promote and support breastfeeding is a little bit different, kind of unique, certainly non-traditional. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly is it that you do? Well, I define myself as a grassroots organizer for breastfeeding. If you ask me what I did, that's what I would, how I would describe my work. I'm really a coalition builder, and essentially in my work, I... I get people excited about working together around a common vision for breastfeeding. So, um, you know, I, I try to go into communities and start what I call a community conversation. And uh-huh. my goal is to turn people and, uh, you know, to kind of identify people's past passions around this topic and then try to figure out ways how to organize um, their ideas into action. Tina, I think I want to be... Well, I should say that essentially my goal is that we're going to create environments that give moms what they need to succeed. 
That's a pretty good goal. I think that's the goal of just about anyone who's as passionate about breastfeeding as you and I are. Tina, can you back up a minute, though? Um, I think maybe we need to to revisit here. What exactly is a coalition? It's not really a task force. It's not really a support group. What's a coalition? Uh, it's a group of, how I define it, this is my own definition, is it's okay. a group of like-minded people that come together to solve a problem. Um, and so, if you will, a breastfeeding coalition is really looking at how to create a better environment um, it, you know, around breastfeeding. And I and it, I have a lot of catchphrases that I've kind of built about my work, and I call them book clubs for people who care about breastfeeding. <laughs> so I like to think there are people that come together because, you know, if you and I like to read fiction books, we join a book club, but yes. you and I care about um, creating communities where, um, you know, where breastfeeding happens. And so... I, I, I say that because I want people to know that coalitions can be lots of fun. Tina, somehow I have the idea if you were involved, it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I just got you figured for a fun kind of woman. So <laughs> Maybe that's why I ended up in this part of the, the breastfeeding <laughs> world. <laughs> well, Tina, this is really very different from any model that most of us in the mainstream are sort of familiar with. You know, I'm kind of familiar with the top-down kind of thing. Uh, whoever it is that I'm working for, the hospital, the doctor, the whoever, you know, somebody gives the marching orders and uh, then we kind of take it top-down. And uh, that's really not the way that you're working at all. Am I right? It's exactly Exact opposite. It's bottom-up. So I, I love the way you, you said most people are used to working top-down. Yeah, I have said for years, because people are always talking about getting more professionals, getting more uh, official papers, getting more policies, getting more government whatever. And, you know, that's all okay, except that, honestly, I've lived long enough to see all of those things. that They have improved. They have gotten bigger. They have gotten better. But really, at the end of the day, I think what's really going to make a difference is, as you said, this grassroots movement. It seems to me, uh, you know, I think back to things like the, um, the, the movement for the natural birth that happened in the San Francisco Bay Area in the early 1970s. That happened because women were asking for it, not because some top-down person said, let's do it. So how did you become interested in working in this kind of a way, Tina? Well, exactly what you're saying. Um, I had worked a lot one-on-one in their traditional way of working, and I didn't feel that mothers had a real voice in the changes that were happening. And I also knew that I had worked over two decades, one-on-one, face-to-face with women, and I thought, you know, I'm going to have to live to be, you know, 205 (laughs) to really make the kind of impact that I want to work, that I want to make working in this way. So, and I've worked in a few states for breastfeeding, and my more recent one before I came to Indiana was in a rural um, experience working for WIC in a rural area of Michigan, and I knew I was doing some really great things, but I was very isolated working in the silo and what I was doing, 
And, you know, my feeling was like, hello, does anybody know I'm out there? And am I connected to the bigger picture? And, and, you know, or or to a bigger initiative. And um, so I wanted to really take a, a more aerial view of the work and not and work in an untraditional way. So I really began to study it. And, you know, I think in the past, you know, we created toolkits and we sent people emails yep. and yep. we thought that if we got clinically more solid, like it would solve <laughs> all the problems and all of that's necessary. But, uh-huh. um, not su- but necessary, wanted, but not sufficient. Right. But it's not enough. It's not yep. enough. Absolutely. And so I wanted to learn how to, I don't know if you will, turn the light switches on in the communities. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, Tina, I've done all those things that you've mentioned, and I felt the same way. I felt like sometimes I'm just spinning in my own orbit, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why I have my own radio show, because I feel like this really does meet people where they're at. And I Mm -hmm. see you as you talk about your communities and starting a community conversation and starting a community coalition like a book club, only it's not for books. You know, I hear that excitement in your voice. Uh, what is it that really makes you want to wake up every day and do what you do? Because it's pretty foreign to the rest of us. I know. I actually say that at a time when a lot of my friends are retiring, I'm having <laughs> like the most fun ever. Um, and I just think it's the idea of harnessing uh, local time and talent, um, the idea that change is very rapid, that there's not a lot of red tape, that it's just a very simple approach to a complex issue, and and that it's manpower, that we're harnessing people's passion in the communities where they live. And I think we all live where governance is very complicated and yes. that we don't know how change is ever going to come to our house and our community and make a difference when we see laws get passed in Washington. And I think that the idea of coalitions is like, a very current thing where you can use your time and talent and your community to make a difference. And so I love, I love all of that. I love coloring outside the lines, thinking outside the box. Um, I once saw a quote by Margaret Whitley that kind of defines my work, and she said, I believe that great change comes from small conversations held amongst people who care. And that's the kind of work I do every single day. Wow. Wow. As I hear you talking, though, I'm not sure if I'm envious or if I'm overwhelmed. I'm thinking, <laughs> what kind? well, what kind of a skill set do you feel that you have developed in order to do what you do for mothers? Well, I think it's really interesting, and I don't know how many of the readers that listen to your show might be familiar with the uh, um, sociologist Malcolm Gladwell. He's written a number of best-selling books. But his first book back in 1990 was called The Tipping Point, How Little Things Make a Big Mm -hmm. Difference. And when I was reading that book and really looking for a a different approach to um, breastfeeding uh, promotion and public health, um, I I saw that he defined that about 15% of people are connector people and everybody else is like a worker bee. And I immediately knew that I was a connector person. And so in the tipping point, he talks about moments of critical mass um, that when you reach a threshold or a boiling point, and he talks about ideas for 
how to speed up um, things and how to make an idea contagious. And, and so I knew I was one of those connector people that could go have conversations and figure out, like, who could move, you know, the dial forward. And so I was very intrigued um, kind of with that style of work. Um, and then later on, I realized that my work was very definitive of the collective impact model. And if anybody has heard that, that's a very big buzzword in public health. It comes yes. out of Stanford, and it's really about bringing people together for social change around the problem um, and creating an opportunity for us to learn about each other. And I was just like, I had an aha moment when I read a couple of <laughs> years ago about collective impact because I was like, that's the kind of work I've been doing. And that's a Gina, very bottom-up model. Save those thoughts. And uh, we are uh, coming up to a break here. I'd just like to encourage our listeners to take a visit to newangel.com. That's N-U-A-N-G-E-L.com. Woman-owned and woman-operated. I'd also like them to take a look at newrobaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-B-A-B-Y.com. Closest to mom, best for baby. Free shipping on purchases greater than $75. Don't go away, everybody. We'll be right back with Tina Cartarelli. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Stay tuned. See you on the other side of the break. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12 minute audio casts a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Bianchuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. With me today is my very fine colleague, Tina Cartarelli. And uh, Tina is here to talk with us about her very unusual model. <laughs> it's kind of funny that as I hear you talking about things like tipping point, critical mass, all of that was enormously fascinating to me, and I really do believe in it. It's kind of funny because I just got finished, and I mean Saturday, I mean two days ago, I just got finished teaching my review course, my lactation exam review course in Boston, and already today I took two calls about my comprehensive course in the fall. And I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of the same idea once, and of course people had heard about it from other people. It seems to me like people do talk, they do uh, tell each other about what things are, they do try to draw people in, but most of those people are the doers, and we certainly need these connectors, as you described yourself. But Tina, it seems like you're connecting these people in these coalitions. So get us clear here. Who joins these coalitions? Is it just lactation uh, specialists or just healthcare professionals? Or what about the mothers themselves? How does this work? Who's there? When I first started, um, when I first came to Indiana um, to kind of do this style of work here, nobody even knew how many coalitions there were. It turned out that as I traveled around, I figured out there were eight existing coalitions, and now we have over 40 coalitions. So I think Whoa. We have six coalition members. Now we have Whoa. over 1,000. And so, oh. um, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty crazy coalition growth. Um, but when I first started to go around the coalitions, they were pretty much, I'm going to be honest, um, made up of professionals. I mean, people sure. weren't even really thinking, like, we should have the school principal. We should have people that work in child care on it. We should have you know, moms, we should have dads. We have dads on our coalition. I mean, we should have, the, our coalition should look like the community. Um, and so it took a little bit of time to get people to really understand, particularly with um, particularly with moms, that moms are the consumers. They're the VIPs of our, of our coalitions. They tell us what we need to do to succeed in our work. And, and we've found at least in my work, that moms are the workhorses. So a lot of these moms that, you know, are, are breastfeeding age, they're, they're very good with, like, the social media and all that stuff. So they bring a lot to our coalitions. Um, and so I often say, you know, I have a lot of buzzwords in the work I do. I always say, you have no breastfeeding moms, you have no credibility in my book. So, um <laughs> um, And then you have to be careful, though, that when you do do that, um, I'll give you an example. Um, we had a coalition that was led by a physician, and um, and we they would get moms to join because it was a very prolific coalition, and they would get a lot of moms to join, and they wouldn't last very long. And what I found out was that if the physician leader said that was the project they were going to work on, nobody felt like they, oh. you know, had... Yeah, nobody, could, nobody was invested. Right. And so I had to come up with a lot of coalition rules, like you check your title at the coalition door and yep. everybody's vote counts the same um, because I was finding that it, sometimes it is hard to mix moms with professionals in that way. Well, certainly everybody thinks differently. We all come with our own set of, of our own pair of eyeglasses, our own, you know, 
baggage, good or bad, uh, but I'm especially interested that you've had such a good mix. Do you personally recruit these people or do they hear about it from their friends or how do they join up? Well, you know, when you start um, coalitions, there's just a lot that we talk to our coalitions about, a lot that I didn't know about that I just learned so much. I always say I've given myself a PhD in coalition building (laughs) and the work, but I just, I try to give people, like, real um, ways to, to build their coalitions, and so... One of the things that I say is that um, no activity that you do should not, that every activity that you do should drive people back to you. So mm, it's an advertisement like for your coalition. Um, and so if you're going to do an exhibit table, you want to make sure to have information there about joining your coalition. You want, when mothers approach your table or guests, you need to tell them about your coalition. Um, and, and people often forget to do that in coalitions. So they'll just do these one-dimensional projects. I'm like, hey, did you get any people to want to join your coalition? And it's like, oh, we didn't ask. But so sure. it's just like getting people to think that, like, when you're in a community with a coalition, you're constantly trying to build your coalition and draw people to it. Tina, as I hear you talking, I'm thinking that mothers, and, and here I'm talking about mothers who are actually not healthcare professionals, I hear them doing things that are what I would call the hands and feet, the eyes and ears. And we absolutely need people to be hands and feet, eyes and ears, no doubt about it. But what other kinds of roles would you say that they play in the coalition? Um. Wow, I don't. I, I, well, well I, I, what I'm thinking is, I, I I assume that they are giving you some uh, advice, if that's the right word. I think that I've really seen them bring a lot of fun to our coalition. Ah, they bring okay. babies to the meetings and oh, remind cool. us of like what, why we're doing what we're doing. So we've had like a lot of fun uh, events around our state that I never, I don't think I would have ever thought of them and other professionals um, would have ever thought of them. Like I'll give you an example is um, one of our coalitions made up entirely of mothers went to local, local Zumba teachers and yoga teachers and teachers yes. and asked them to donate like an yes. hour of their time. And then they sold t-shirts and they said come to an exercise class and make donations to the coalition. And and it just brings the community out, babies, moms, people come out that even aren't going to exercise. And this small coalition that started that, they make an average of $700. Are you serious? They do that. (laughs) And it brings moms and people together. And so... um, I think another coalition that we have gives a T-shirt to every mom that um, breastfeeds or makes it to the first birthday, and it's called, like, I'm a Beautiful Role Model Project. And, you know, I think that was by moms for moms, really. Yes. Well, and that's what I meant a minute ago about what their role is. And as I'm hearing you talking, I'm hearing you say they come up with some of these creative ideas, which quite frankly, we professional types would probably, I would never think of the t-shirt thing or the Zumba thing. That's just fabulous. Uh, That's terrific. Tell us a little bit about how uh, you've described yourself sometimes as a coalition coach. 
what what becomes your role as a coach? How would you characterize that? Um, well, I try to give people ideas for how to work in their community to gather people together to start this conversation I talk about. I always say build coalitions that get stuff done. And um, I help them to learn how to have fun in the process and how to create a buzz in their community. And I also teach them that this can really be fun. And a lot of people, like a lot of people that are in a coalition, um, you know, a lot of them naturally work in breastfeeding. Sure, sure. With programs where there's like a lot of red tape. And I try to show them that this isn't a second job, that this is a way to do, to work in an aspect of something you care about, but do it more like a hobby and that you can just do anything you envision doing. And I think that's been a big success um, to the work that we've done. To some degree, uh, Tina, you are encouraging these people to create their own future. Yes. Yep. And have yeah. fun doing it. Like, people always crack up at how many times I say the word fun when I'm talking about <laughs> coalitions. I'm telling you, you're a fun lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times, like, I would, some people invite me to the coalition meetings all the time, and I wish I had a dime for every hour I've logged in at a coalition meeting. And um, and some of them are, like, people just run them like they're running a hospital department meeting or something. And I'm just like, this, well, don't bring your workplace, yeah. pers- you know, to leave that person at the door. Because, you know, this is how you bond together with people and share ideas and create shared goals and and get things done in your community, and you're proud of it. And so um, it's really exciting work. I, I want everybody to be a member of a coalition. I, I want to join every coalition I'm affiliated with. It's so funny. I just want to be because they're all, like, doing such great things and, and enjoying doing it. Well, now that's interesting. That hadn't occurred to me. Do you join them all, or do you join none of them, or some of them? What, what do you join? I, I I hadn't thought about that. Well, I'm the director of our state coalition, but pretty much I try to let people just, because if I say we should do this, like everybody probably would be like, oh, okay. So I pretty much try to have like a smaller voice in it and let it be very organic. Um, but even I, I helped to get the conversation started in my own county that I work in for coalition, and they started a really good coalition. And they're like, "Well, you live in this county; you should be in our coalition." And I was like, "No, I don't. I, I, I can't be a part of anybody's coalition, really, um, because I want it to be very grassroots and organic, and I don't yes. want anybody's voice to trump anybody else's." You don't want to Im- impose your own stuff on them, so mm-hmm. to speak. And it also, right. you know, the coach is not part of the team. So I would suppose that if you're in the coach role, then I guess y- mm-hmm. you would need to stand back and, in fact, do the coaching. Hey, everybody, I, I got to tell you, this is Tina is a fun woman. And despite all the things that she's done, um, I know that she's not much more than 29 years old, right, Tina? 
No, but, no. Uh, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about individuals. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about coalitions as it relates to the community itself. So don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto, your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my special guest, Tina Cartarelli. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my special guest, Tina Cartarelli. I would really like to encourage you to call in. We'll be happy to take some questions. I'm not shy. Tina's not shy. But I know that so many of you actually will probably be listening after the show as a podcast, and that's okay. But if you've got questions for me or for Tina, please feel free to uh, send those questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com, and one of us will be happy to get back to you by email. Tina, in the past sections, you talked a lot about the individuals and what a coalition is and the individuals that are in the coalition and how they participate, what they contribute, and so forth. Uh, Can you give a couple examples of the kinds of opportunities that have been created in the communities that you work with? Um, That is like a wow question because (laughs) there's just so many things. I'm like, if you can think of it or dream it, I can guarantee you I have a coalition that's tried it or is doing it. Um, And now it's just becoming, I would say it's like bunnies multiplying um, because I'm always like, I can't believe you did that. But I'll I'll give you an example of of a project just to show you how 
how ideas germinate in the community. Um, and so I was going around to coalitions asking them what would improve their um, their uh, breastfeeding services in their community. Um, and what I was hearing a lot was we need to have places where mothers can go that are on the bus line, that are where mm-hmm. mothers go to do errands, to fill yep. prescriptions, to buy diapers. And, um, and so I was driving home from a community one day, and I was like, no matter what community you're in in the country, it's probably a drugstore that owns that real estate. Um, and so that is where that connector piece comes in. A, a few weeks later, I was asked to give a talk at a hospital, and the person who presented before me was a professor from the Butler School of Pharmacy, and also um, she was a pharmacy manager for Walgreens. And um, I went up to her after the talk and told her about a vision I had for Walgreens having places for moms to go um, to breastfeed. And um, Walgreens was really changing their focus to be more like seen as community wellness leaders. And, and they were building education rooms at the time. And she said, I have a similar vision. We need to talk. And out of that came a, a, pro, a program that we've been working on for three years called um, Wall Babies at Walgreens. We've expanded it to three stores. Um, we're trying to put a toolkit together to expand it nationally. Um, and so we have a lactation consultant on site. Our pharmacists have become CLCs. And um, we have a very active drop-in center, and we collaborate. Walgreens does all the advertising on the signages. They put bag stuffers in the bags, and um, and we are, you know, and and we work along with them as a coalition. And um, and so I could, you know, name multiple examples of where, you know, it's just an opportunity in the community to start a conversation with some that has led to a program like this. Out of it came a national pharmacy training that the pharmacist that I met that day wrote in collaboration. And so, you know, a lot has come out of it. I'm just flabbergasted with that. I'm thinking, you know, my Walgreens, my local one, is a block or two from my office. Uh, We just picked up our prescription here there a couple of days ago. And I don't remember any teaching rooms or anything like what you're saying, but it sounds like this has maybe started in certain locations. But also, I guess... Tina, it kind of sounds like you helped that along. They were thinking about that anyway, and then you kind of gave them a little more ammunition for it. That's just amazing. Well, I think that, you know, I try to use business models with my coalitions because I was just like, you may think that you want to do something because, you know, it's important to your coalition, but when you talk with people in the community, you have to figure out where what you want and what they want, where there's a commonality, where it overlaps. And so yeah. there was a commonality with Walgreens, and had I not had that conversation, um, we wouldn't have grown this program. I do have to put a disclaimer because I get called all the time as people that want to go to their local Walgreens. This is a pilot. We're trying to figure it out. It's a large organization. They have not over 9,000 stores. Like, there's a lot to do at before we roll it out, you know, outside of our state. Uh, Yeah, but even so, I'm still back to what I said several minutes ago, which is it sounds to me like if you can dream it, you can make it. You're just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm really impressed. So, Tina, you you know, tell me this. Um, I'm a nurse. 
But if I'm not a nurse, if I'm not a professional, I've heard you say that I don't have to be a professional. I got that part. But if if I'm not a professional, how do I just go about raising my hand and saying, well, I want to start a coalition. Do I need to call you? Do I need to find some neighbors who are interested? Do I need to, what do I need to do? Um, well, I was given the best advice when I started this um, journey. And um, my boss said, just go out there and ask questions. And I just started to drive around and ask people questions. <laughs> like, what's happening in your community? What's worked in the past? Like, who is doing great things? Like, what are their names? Like, what's their contact information? I was trying to identify people. I was trying to figure out, like, a baseline starting point. I was um, pretty much doing the exam of the coalition, if you will. Um, and um, I was trying to find connector people in the communities. And if, if you could see me today, I would show you on map that everybody just gets the biggest kick out of um, that big, huge map that I had that has post-its of every connector person in every community, the people who I had identified like, oh, you need to talk with Neri. Um, I would oh. say ask a lot of questions um, okay. and then figure out a starting point, figure out what people care about in that community. It's different in every community um, sure. and figure out what's happening now. Um, and, and, and then, you know, there's two things you can do that I'm noticing that coalitions are doing. They either get together a couple people that have a vision and they kind of map out uh, a little, uh, like, projects and some ideas before they invite a bigger group. Um, okay. And so that seems okay. to be happening a lot lately. Or they just start inviting everybody in the community and tell them to bring other friends, and they just start a discussion that start way. Start the discussion, yeah, the, the, uh, the conversation. Mm-hmm. Tina, tell me this. You know, some people have got some baggage around having joined some, not not necessarily a breastfeeding coalition, but some coalition of some kind. What myths do you think there are? Uh, this show is big on busting the myths and clarifying the facts. Um, what, what what kinds of things do you think might not be true that might people might have a negative thought on? And can you give a positive spin to it? Um, we did a lot of polling, and we found out when we asked people, like, about why they didn't, why they would or would not want to be in a coalition, um, that they, they said because they don't get anything done, they lack good leadership, uh-huh. they have no direction, they're too time-consuming, we, we lack resources to get things done. Um, a common problem that people have is they work in jobs where they have budgets, where they live in homes where families have money that, you know, that... So they, they're not used to being in groups where just the power of bringing people together sometimes uh-huh. is enough. And so I often sure. tell coalitions, I don't even want you to have money at the beginning because <laughs> I want you to feel what it feels like to bring people together and that there's a collective effervescence that you can capitalize on before you even begin to spend a dollar because um, I want them to feel their power. But I think that in school, we all remember when the teacher said, like, hey, we're going to have a group activity, and then we were like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, I'm going <laughs> to be gets, stuck with doing all the work, and nobody else is going to do anything, and, like, yeah. I'd rather just work alone. And I think that stays with us. So um, I, I try to teach people how to share the workload and, you know, how to break things down into small tasks. So, um 
I was noticing I was building a lot of coalitions, and as I drove away, a lot were falling apart. And then uh-huh. I realized I had to give people, I had to figure out skills for um, successful coalitions and successful leadership. So it's been a learning process. Tina, somewhere in here, you also must have to have strong leaders. So what constitutes a strong leader? What kinds of skills are they and how do people learn them? Um, That's what it all comes down to for me because when I really looked at our coalitions that were flourishing and our coalitions that weren't doing really well, it came down to leadership skills. And then I thought, we can't just assume that our leaders know how to lead particularly these types of organizations. Um, right. And so I came up with a tagline where I always say that coalitions that run well are well run. Mm, and got it. Um, I started to backtrack and just contact my, my leaders one-on-one and ask them the kinds of problems they were having. And we started doing a lot of problem solving about the ability to delegate. We all know the leader that, you know, says, does anybody want to, you know, pick up rocking chairs for the electrician <laughs> station and no one says they'll do it. And then she's right. like, well, I guess I can do it. And so I try to tell them not to take the jobs. And if no one took the jobs, to shelve the project and right. say, well, people are a lot of interest, but nobody wants to join, so we'll shelve it and bring it up at another time. So I gave them skills for how, like, what to do when people didn't take on roles. And, um, you know, information on how to communicate to their group and um, how to keep things positive because sometimes um, we have a history in breastfeeding where we can kind of get down on ourselves and say no one gets us a chance, nobody, whatever. Um, and so if, if the conversations could turn negative, how they could turn it around and keep it positive and how to give everybody a voice and respect what everybody brings to the table. Um, and then I realized that when I just started to work directly with the leaders, um, I was learning from them, and then I could pass that information on, and then my coalitions were succeeding. So, Tina, a few minutes ago, I asked you what your role as a coach was, and now I'm hearing it more clearly that part of your role is to identify a potential leader and then help them to either get some new skills or maybe refine some existing skills, because as you say, the well-run, the the coalitions that run well are those that are well-run, and Mm -hmm. that, to me, to me, that bespeaks leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't you have learn got that a... out of the gate. I learned that from having coalitions fail and then figuring out that the leaders had lost direction and uh, were not good communicators. So yeah. it's a valuable lesson. Indeed so. Hey, listen, everybody, when we come back, we're going to be talking about some unique opportunities. And uh, I want you to stick around. Because on the other side of the break, we'll be talking about that. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my special guest, Tina Cartarelli. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? 
Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso with Born to be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm here today with... uh, Tina Cartarelli. Uh, Tina, you've talked to us so much on this show about the coalitions, what they do, benefits, how to join and how to start, how to a little bit about how to lead. But tell us this. Is this kind of like a one-size-fits-all kind of deal? What exactly does the coalition look like? Is there, you know, like one model, one-size-fits-all, or are there several models? How can you characterize that? Um, I, I often like to say if you've seen one coalition, you've seen one coalition, ah. um, particularly in Indiana, because, you know, when you work in bottom-up, you're not going to manipulate what that looks like in the community, and so it's going to be as unique as the members that make it up, and it's going to be constantly evolving, um, and so no it's changing here. all the time. Um, and so, but one of the things that all of our coalitions are working on is providing um, opportunities for moms in the community to get help with breastfeeding after discharge. And again, and those models look like vastly different from community <laughs> to community. Um, and so what we tried to do is to help them to discern like who could do that and who had a passion about that and where locations were and what that would look like, um, who would man it. And some of our very rural communities in Indiana, they don't have a lactation specialist that could man um, an event. So it's manned by mothers. Um, so we provided them resources so they could give evidence-based care. Uh, we provide them with lots of books, scale books, breastfeeding answer books, that kind of thing. Um, in one community, we found a woman who had been a lactation consultant for 35 years, and her retirement dream was to have a drop-in center for moms. Uh, and so we've nurtured that model. Uh, we have a model that's highly successful. They see about 2,000 women a month. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, 
a year, and um, they actually um, now are funded by the community benefits of the hospitals, uh, the hospital nice. that's in their area. And so we've seen just a lot of creative ways of like funding this work, and um, and it's pretty exciting. Um, in the Walgreens project, we did not have a way. We're hoping that Walgreens writes a job description for a lactation consultant that would cover multiple stores. So that's a future dream goal. Um, but in order to provide consistent care, we work with a large hospital system that has moved part of their outpatient care to the Walgreens. So again, another wonderful collaboration where you look at what that hospital needed to do and what Walgreens was looking to do, and we connected the dots as a coalition. Um, so I could go on and on and on about various <laughs> models, but you know that you get the idea that um, there you were coloring outside the lines here. It's just yeah, like yeah. however you think you can do it, do it. Um, Tina, do you have any, uh, for lack of a better term, faith-based groups? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, we have um, some faith-based groups. In fact, our uh-huh. largest coalition, the Indiana Black Breastfeeding Coalition, was born in um, a church and, you know, it's kind of grown outside that church um, to be a statewide coalition. Um, But yes, that's another good, uh, you know... Well, I'm just thinking those are people that have similar values. They're usually quite committed to families. They usually live more or less in the Mm -hmm. same general vicinity. Seems like that would kind of make sense. And you're saying, yes, you really do have those. And that's a totally different model than, for example, the retail model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just no cookie cutter here. That's amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Totally impressed. So, so Tina, tell me this. if if we have people who are listening, who are interested in starting or or maybe not starting, maybe just improving an existing coalition or engaging partnerships to create more breastfeeding infrastructure in their community, um, what would be maybe some really sage pieces of advice that you could offer those people? Um, I would tell them what I tell everybody that contacts me about building a coalition. I would tell them to look outside breastfeeding professionals. Um, I would tell them to you know, bring people together and have those people bring friends and those friends bring friends. Um, and I've actually been to initial coalition meetings where there are like 150 people in a really tiny community. It's wow. mind-boggling. Um, We had church ministers, we had men, we had dad. I mean, it was crazy. Um, And I I often show that example when I speak about coalitions. Um, Did 150 people stay in the coalition? No, they were tire kicking. They were worrying what this was all about. But, um, you know, start big, cast a wide net. um, Understand that a coalition could be three people in your community if you're a small community. Um, and that coalitions are layered over time. And um, that. In, and one of the big things that I tell people to do is to, I have to work a lot with people not getting ahead of themselves. And so I'm always having to remind people that the st- 
size and scope of what they do. Their projects and infrastructure should match the size and scope of the coalition that they currently have. So you'll have a little coalition with seven people sure. in it that are planning a behemoth project. Um, <laughs> and, and so you, you try to get them. So I, I talk a lot about form and function. And I sure. talk about how we only need as much form in the coalition to function. And we have to, I say we fly the airplane, we build the airplane as we fly it. So we add more form in as we need function. Um, and so we just, we can't get ahead of ourselves. So we have people that have like all this elaborate financial structure and all, you know, the president will do this for two years. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, sure. go get some experience out there in the community and then layer in this form as you need it. Um, and that there will be ups and downs along the way. I've seen coalitions that have won my award for Coalition of the Year. I've seen them ebb and flow where they're Coalition of the Year one year and then, you know, they're just struggling the next. And that's just the nature of coalitions. Sure, um, sure. And again, as I said, uh, the lifeblood uh, of coalitions is retention of your members and recruitment. And what I tell people, well, first of all, what I want to tell everybody is, if you care about breastfeeding, you should at least consider being part of a coalition and have that experience or start a coalition if your community doesn't have it. And to really understand that this isn't a second job, that these are a lot of fun, um, and that there's many successful models. So there's no one size fits all, and it can be whatever you envision it to be. Tina, you are positively, totally remarkable. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are as enthralled as I am with all of the things that you've been able to facilitate and uh, uh, really get going. Before we leave today, uh, how can we find your website or a coalition or something uh, for anybody who's just looking for something on the net? What's the best place that we can send them? Um, well, I think that United States Breastfeeding Coalition, the USBC. Oh, website. the USBC, yeah. Mm-hmm is a remarkable um, resource for anybody looking to build coalitions. So I would scroll around in there, and then you could, uh, um, and our website, indianaperinatal.org, is yet again another um, good website to look around, and people can always contact me, and you can get me through indianaperinatal.org. Boy, you just put yourself out there, woman. Uh, I would also like to give an extra plug to the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee. I was a founding member of the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee in 1998, and I was on the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee for about 10 years. And I can tell you it was just enormously rewarding. Uh, certainly there comes a time and a place when it's time to, to let others uh, take some some leadership uh, but it is absolutely a wonderful organization. Tina is a wonderful woman, and she has done wonders for Indiana. I hope that there can be another Tina in another state. But meanwhile, of course, that's all the time that we have today. I'd like to thank my guest, Tina Cartarelli, and I would especially like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'd like to thank our sponsors, New Angel, that is new, N-U-A-N-G-E-L dot com, and also New Roo Baby, N-U-R-O-O-B-A-B-Y dot com. And I would also like to invite you to look at my website. It's borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. 
If you are interested in professional continuing education, you should look at my professional website. It's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I want to remind you that we are offering a full scholarship to my comprehensive lactation course. It carries 90 credit hours and it will start this fall. We will have it in several locations throughout the U.S., If you or someone you know is interested in a full scholarship, get your application in. They will be due this summer. Meanwhile, um, I'm Marie Biancuto. I had to think for a minute who I was here. (laughs) And I promise I will help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. And in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 